You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sunset Series. Tonight we have a very special program, Dating After Corona, The New Normal. And we have a panel for you tonight. Uh, First, we have Josh Benjamin and Bracha Rappaport, who are amongst the co-founders of a new Facebook page called Corona Crush, which has gone viral uh, during the time of Corona isolation. It's a platform for people to meet each other, for people to recommend each other to others, and um, you'll hear more about it. And uh, thank you for coming. And we have Dr. Alana Siegel, who is a therapist practicing in Tel Aviv. Uh, Dr. Alana made Aliyah in 2014 and lives in Israel in Tel Aviv. She also lectures at Tel Aviv University, and she has a private practice in Tel Aviv where she sees uh, all a spectrum of the population, singles, marrieds, elderly. So... Thank you, so much for that. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. Um, good evening, everyone. I'm really glad to be with all of you tonight to talk about dating after coronavirus. So I want to touch on four different terms that I regularly discuss in therapy with my patients, whether individuals or couples, in my private practice in Tel Aviv. The first word is boundary. The second is communication. The third is safety. And the fourth is self-care. So personal boundaries are guidelines, rules, or limits that a person creates to identify reasonable, safe, and also permissible ways for both your own needs and for the ways of other people to behave towards you, and also how you're going to respond when someone passes those limits. So just like countries have boundaries which define which land belongs to France and which land belongs to Switzerland, known as this case as a border, so too do individuals need to reflect on what they do and do not feel comfortable with in their interpersonal and also romantic interactions. So what I've seen in my clinical work is that different people have different boundaries and also people have varying levels of challenges in setting and keeping a boundary. These boundaries can originate from what our families, communities, and cultures have set for us. They can also stem from our personal experiences. So, for example, some families might be very strict around the concept of time. You must be on time. You have to be here at this hour. Whereas others, time is a very fluid concept. Show up whenever you want. An hour late, two hours late, it's all good. So if you're going to be on a date with someone who might be absolutely wonderful, but your boundaries are are different around the topic of time, strict versus fluid, that's going to be something you're going to have to negotiate and navigate together. And oftentimes the frustration and resentment can be navigated by communicating what are your boundary needs. But boundaries don't begin when you start dating someone else. They actually begin within yourself. So some food for thought. What are you looking for in a relationship? And what are deal breakers? In the time of COVID, what makes you feel safe? What standards do you expect from yourself and for others? What do you want to give and what do you want to receive? Boundaries will also help when it's time to say no. What do you feel comfortable doing sexually? For example, you might have a lot of pent-up sexual frustration and be ready for sex after all the time spent alone and in isolation during quarantine, but your date might have different sexual boundaries in place. It's also really important to consider digital boundaries. So how do you feel about an online relationship? 
So some good news is that Stanford University did a study just on this, and they found that 10 years ago, only 20% of couples met online, but today, between 40 to 60% of couples are meeting online. And in another study done by Match.com, they found that prior to the coronavirus, 6% of couples or individuals use video to go on a date, whereas a month, as a month ago, as of a month ago, 70% said that they'd use video for a date. But if these dating apps don't fit into your life right now, don't force it. Just take some time off. But I would say that the option of meeting first online can also really provide a wonderful opportunity to get to know one another without the physical component. I really recommend making a plan to spend meaningful time together, whether in person or digitally. Some ideas can be to tour a museum digitally or watch a concert or movie together, go stargazing, take a hike, you know, make there can be a real significant upside of this video communication, especially if used in creative ways. It can really just be a unique video into someone else's world. Like all of a sudden, whereas you normally wouldn't head to his or her apartment until third or fourth date, all of a sudden the first date's happening in their apartment. And then of course you're going to see what's meaningful to them. You might, it might, might be an opportunity for them to show you what they have and what's special to them. But that said, what is and isn't acceptable to you when it comes to internet and dating, and you should really think about what your digital relationship should be looking like. These insights into what boundaries work for you can be used for communication with, with your partner, which is my second term. And just as boundaries differ from person to person, so too do communication styles and needs. So while I enjoy being able to give you a rule like, this is when you need to communicate and this is how you're supposed to do it, some of you might want to share your thoughts or feelings early on in the relationship in order to be direct, whereas others would like to see how the relationship is heading before you communicate thoughts and feelings. A helpful technique for expressing your needs is to use the word I and not you, and then share a feeling word. It's hard to argue with someone's subjective feelings. So for example, I'm feeling anxious about meeting in person tonight might be a good way to express how you're feeling rather than putting it on the other person. Something that I also discuss often with my patients is verbal versus body language. So sometimes a person's words can convey one thing, while the body language can send an entirely different message. So for example, I'm so happy to see you. And, oh, I'm so happy to see you. In both cases, my verbal message was identical, but the body language between the first case and the second case were polar opposites. So ideally, your verbal and your nonverbal messages will be the same, and this can provide the other with a clear message of your wants and needs. I, also, I really recommend you're focusing on that unspoken message as well because, you know, this can be a very powerful means of communication. And for those of you that still feel comfortable or continue to date over video, and you might think body language, I'm only seeing their face, you know, reflect on your voice and also facial expressions as you communicate with the other. Be very cognizant of how you're presenting if dating over video. The third term that I want to share is that of safety. It's going to be very hard to build a relationship with someone if you don't feel safe, whether emotionally, physically, or sexually. Because COVID has flipped the entire world upside down in the span of a few weeks. 
and the world really is not back to normal. It's really understandable if the pandemic, the quarantine, the unknown has all contributed to your feelings of not feeling safe. And maybe some of you have been unexpectedly confronted with unemployment or financial strain, isolation, and maybe you're still being separated from family and friends. But so too has safety impacted dating both during and after Corona. Because you might be asking yourself, is it even safe to date yet? Is it safe to have sex? Although COVID isn't an STD, it might have a similar feel as in, will my date infect me? How can I keep my body safe during these unknown times? And emotionally, how can I keep myself safe as I step out and start to date again? On top of all this anxiety and all these unknowns that are happening in all of our lives right now, can I also manage potential rejections, falling in love, or the tumult that can come with dating? It's managing these feelings that leads me to our fourth term, and that's self-care which is the intentional engagement in strategies that promote healthy functioning and can enhance your physical and emotional well-being. So quality, uninterrupted sleep and regular, well-balanced meals are some of the first things to go in times of stress. While comfort food might really be comforting in the short term, eating it over the long haul regularly might make you feel lethargic. Also, alcohol and other substances like marijuana, they might make for a good time, but using them every day can have a negative impact over the long term. And so while keeping up with social media might make you feel connected, it's also a good idea to to practice sleep hygiene by putting the phone away 30 minutes before bedtime. I can't stress enough, and I say this to every patient I have in my office, how important it is to exercise on a regular basis. You need to, I really recommend, schedule it into your calendar and make it consistent. The only thing that I really say is a strict rule is do something that makes you break a sweat. You can pick your sport of choice. It doesn't matter. But you want to make sure that you're releasing those endorphins that can really impact your mood for the better. It's also really important to rely on social support or friends and family who you can process your dating experiences with. You might also want to consider going to therapy, and there are many wonderful Hebrew and English-speaking therapists in the Tel Aviv area. Also, make time for your own self-expression. So do things that you enjoy and that are fun, whether cooking, hiking, yoga, sports, art classes, writing in a journal, it doesn't matter. It's just a good time to take time for yourself. And you might also want to do activities that are pampering, like get a massage or a haircut, or for those of you that enjoy it, go to a nail salon. It doesn't matter. Just make sure that these me times are enjoyable, but make sure that these me times do not include a screen. Okay, so being on the internet or watching Netflix or a movie on your computer or TV, you know, that really is not a time to relax. You want to stay away from those screens. It's important to participate in those other activities. You know, dating after coronavirus can be really stressful, but can also be really fulfilling and exciting. So reflect on your boundaries, communication needs, feelings of safety, practice self-care, and enjoy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Alana. That was great. Gave us a lot to think about and um, posted there. If people want to start posting any questions or reactions, feel free to do that already. Shanna said the second half, we're going to be kind of opening up the forum to our panel here. So uh, next up is Bracha Rappaport, who was uh, born and raised in Israel to American parents. Uh, she's currently serving as the co-founder and community manager for the Corona Crush Facebook group. 
And this stems from her joy of setting up friends and matchmaking. And uh, with past experience in nonprofit, Bracha's passion is pushing forward new and exciting initiatives related to social impact and change. And uh, when we connected over this, I realized that I had uh, not met Bracha, met her family before, who have a very uh, warm, hospitable house in Jerusalem. Uh, when I was in the States bringing groups to Israel, they used to host uh, groups and events there. So, Bracha, thank you for joining us. And uh, please share your thoughts about uh, dating after Corona, the new normal. Thank you so much for the intro. Um, I'm super excited to be here. I think this is such a cool and awesome initiative. Um, and I'm also humbled to be here. Um, I think that Corona was something that really turned everyone's world upside down in a way and created a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I remember initially in the start of all of this, everything was just extremely overwhelming. No one really knew what's going to happen, when things are going to change, what things are going to look like at the end of all of this, if there is an end. Um, and I think it really kind of made us reevaluate all kinds of things on our personal life. One of those things being dating and just communicating in our social circles and what really fulfills us. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about just the creation of this group. It really was based on this fun, lighthearted idea amongst friends um, where we all felt like, you know, we have personal, either friends of ours or we know friends of friends that are really great and wonderful, eligible bachelors or bachelorettes that somehow haven't found their other half. Um, and we wanted to create some sort of platform or space where people can interact and meet, but really in a fun and lighthearted way. Uh, for those of you who don't know Corona Crush, it's a Facebook group that honestly has gone viral, pretty viral, and has really grown exponentially throughout the weeks. Um, and the whole idea is that you basically post a friend of yours and share their profile. You can also post yourself. Um, and the points of the profiles are just to be fun, lighthearted, interesting, so that you can really learn about the person's character. And it's not just some sort of dry list of details or checklist. It's really more personable. And uh, as a community manager, it was, it's been amazing to see just the like engagement we've had, but also the interaction amongst people and how nice people are to each other. Um, there are so many people, you know, flooding others with compliments. Wow. You're beautiful. You're so cool. Like, I genuinely think like beyond finding a life partner, I think people have found friends or have connected somehow. Um, and I can tell you as one of the co-founders, there are people that I haven't spoken to in a very long time that have reached out to me, um, thanking me for like being a part of this initiative. Um, and in addition, there are people that I never would have anticipated or expected to benefit from this. Like they're so not the type to go on this type of platform or to be posted or to reach out. Um, and they've taken such a proactive step in terms of their dating. Um, and I think that this group really has grown like it has because of the sense of community and, you know, bond that it's created amongst people. Um, and something that I do think Corona has kind of instilled in anyone who's pretty much single at this point. Um, I think a lot of people have experienced loneliness to some extent. All of us are home. No one can really go out. All the distractions we have, if it's going to work, going to work out, you know, going to get drinks with friends, all those things have been eliminated. And you end up spending a lot of time thinking to yourself. 
Um, and I think that kind of also makes you have all of these deep, meaningful, existential questions about what's going to be after all this. So I think one thing that's super important and I really hope comes out of this group is for people not only to connect, but also to discuss um, what it means, maybe even to be single or what th those feelings mean to them. Because I think there are so many people that experience loneliness to some extent and they feel so isolated, but there are so many people that feel lonely. And loneliness doesn't necessarily even mean about... Mm -hmm. You know, being in a relationship, it could also just be, you could be in a room filled with people and still feel isolated. You could be surrounded by friends and still feel isolated. So just creating that sense of community and communication um, is super important. And I think the second thing about the group that I really hope comes out of it is for people, you know, to see that even when circumstances seem absolutely absurd and there's not really a way to meet anyone new and there's not any way to physically interact with people, we've somehow managed to utilize Zoom and FaceTime and WhatsApp and like all these different digital platforms to really meet incredible new people. And I think people have become so proactive about their love life and their dating life. Um, and for me personally, I think it's really empowering to see, you know, people that have been hesitant in the past or didn't really feel comfortable reaching out to someone they were interested in. For some reason, I think Corona kind of gave others this push of like, be a little more proactive. Um, and I really think there are really positive things that we can reap from this time and period. And more than anything, when we're speaking about loneliness or being single, I think it's also about, on the other hand, like of dating, it's also about investing time in yourself and in your passion and what you like to do. Um, but I would say as one of the co-founders of Corona Crush, I think the biggest goal for us is really for people to date and meet and find love and ideally get married. So that's my little opinion. <laughs> Thank you, Bracha. That was great. Welcome. A lot to think about and uh, give you a lot of credit for having created this great platform and bringing people together. And um, now we're going to turn to Josh, our other co-founder. So Josh made Aliyah five years ago from South Africa. He works as a product consultant for Monday.com. I'm sure you guys are really busy over there. And um, recently co-founded also Corona Crush. Um, so, Josh, what are your thoughts about uh, where things are at, where they're going, what's going to be after Corona? Is, uh, is it going to be back to the same old normal, or is there some uh, new normal? Okay, so first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, Josh, you're, you're a little low. I don't know if you can get a little closer to the mic or... Is that, is that any better? Maybe I should a just speak bit. a bit louder. Okay, thank you. Everyone can hear me? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. perfect. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think the, the, the short answer is that nothing's going to be the same on a fundamental level after Corona. Um, but what I, what I really wanted to discuss there, I'm no relationship expert by any stretch of the imagination, but um, what I thought I would speak about was something that stemmed from a more personal experience. And that comes from the fact that I, for a long time, found myself navigating two worlds. And those would be the religious world and the secular world, uh, which Sean actually brought up at the very beginning. Um, and as somebody who navigates both of these worlds, I, f I find in gen generally speaking that um, 
the religious world isn't entirely my home and the secular world isn't entirely my home. And when it comes to dating, which is arguably one of the most sensitive, highly charged, um, powerful forces that we can engage in when it comes to human behavior, um, this, these dynamics are especially true. So when it comes to religious dating, um, as much as I do believe in God and I believe that I'm not in control, I still think that uh, three dates is not enough for me to, to marry somebody. Uh, just a gut feeling. Um, let, let me just maybe take a step back and explain myself. Um, the way I look at it, if we were to look at the, the two ends of the spectrum, on the one end we have what I'd like to call religious dating, um, which is the more Haredi framework, which is like, what we kind of know to be uh, three dates, it's serious, three dates in an extreme situation, it's serious from the beginning, there's a shidduch resume, the discussion of the dates um, is, um, is serious from the get-go, it's about values, it's about how many children do you want to have. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, we have what I'd like to call either secular or um, not so serious dating. Um, on that end of the spectrum, I would say we have uh, apps where we swipe right and we can hook up with somebody that we barely know the same night, um, where we go clubbing, where we can meet somebody in a club and go home with them. Um, at that end of the spectrum, um, there seems to be kind of no rules. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, there's lots of rules. There's lots of framework. Um, and I know I am looking at two extremes, but as I said, in general, I've never found uh, that either one of those extremes uh, is where I can fit in. I think there's a lot of issues with a uh, secular approach to dating. And when it comes to the strictly religious approach to dating, I'm not sure if I'm there yet, honestly, either. Um, and what, what, uh, what's, I've learned from this whole process of um, being involved with Corona Crutch is that this is actually something that kind of resonates with a lot more people. Um, in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of, there's so many different options along those, uh, along that spectrum in between those two extremes. There's people that, um, you know, there's people that will maybe get physical after four dates. There's people that will get physical after 10 dates. There's people that think that uh, even talking, you know, that, um, that might not be religious, but still for them getting physical with someone would be a very spiritual, very significant experience. Um, if you're trying to navigate that, right, then I think it can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of challenges for a lot of people. And uh, what really didn't surprise me about Corona Crush is the, fa is, is the fact that this kind of, the way I see it, it spoke to people. Uh, why? Because there's what I like to think Corona Crush is doing in a way is um, democratizing religious slash serious dating making it more accessible to people. Um, and why is that? It's because it has some unique elements. Um, you know, there was, um, Shana also spoke about the environment that you're trying to create with uh, Sunset Series, like having a safe environment. Um, there's, there's safety in this. There's the element of endorsement, you know, endorsing your friends. Um, it's not just a complete stranger. So again, we're kind of moving away from like the one admittedly very uh, extreme end of the spectrum, which is like not, not knowing somebody, hooking up at a club and going home with them. Um, 
and democratizing the the other end of the spectrum uh, for people that fall more in between, which is you know going on the basis of recommendation uh, again, which is that's something from the from like let's call it the religious or serious end of the spectrum. But the thing that I've come to learn with human behavior, especially in the in the realm of um, of Judaism, is that um, is branding is everything. So. If you want to call, uh, if you want to say to somebody, say a blessing before you eat food, uh, 90% of people who don't do that already won't do it. But if you call it something sexy and trendy, like mindful eating, for example, then people are all on board about mindful eating. But ultimately, at the roots, it's the exact same thing. It's about becoming more mindful, becoming more conscious, and becoming a, an uplifting an experience putting some sort of framework around it so that it's a more significant experience. Um, and that's essentially what, you know, Jewish religious dating, um, the wisdom behind it, we don't always see it, but essentially that is the wisdom of Jewish dating is that there's a framework um, so that all this confusion that I felt and I've seen a lot of other people have felt by the fact that they've been turned on by this idea of Corona crash and this new kind of style of dating uh, they resonate with that because w- the minute that there's no framework, then one becomes very, very susceptible to all those different options in, in, in the spectrum. Uh, you know, I'm going to speak again very personally, but, you know, if I'm going out to try and, and date somebody, then there's a million questions that are going through my mind. You know, is this person expecting something serious? Uh, am I expected to make a move? Will I be weird if I don't make a move? Um, is it, you, you know, like, what should I speak about? You, you should well, I'd be weird if I get into serious topics such as kids and a future on the second date. Is that something weird? Well, and conversely, everything that you think is true as well. So instead of getting lost in those, uh, those ifs and that very turbulent um, environment where there's so much gray area, um, in, there's now some sort of a framework, which is arguably... Um, you know, maybe get to know somebody first, maybe hop on a Zoom date or two before you get to meet. Um, the idea of democratizing a framework, which was previously strictly uh, on one end of the spectrum, um, I would like to see that be, become more democratized. And again, it, branding is everything. So instead of calling it shiduchim or religious dating, which will immediately turn people off, we can call it Corona crash. Um, because at the roots, it's the exact same thing. I think it's at the root, it speaks to something that, that clearly, you know, is it, there's a demand for out there in the world. Um, and maybe I guess the last thing that I'll just end uh, with is that um, I heard a very uh, amazing idea behind uh, Jewish dating and the Jewish halachic approach to, um, to dating by Rabbi Tetz, I believe it was. And he said that, um, the idea behind Jewish dating is to, or Jewish framework, Jewish marriage is to create a space of mutual vulnerability. So, um, what does that mean? So, if you're, um, let's again put that aside for a second and consider what happens out there in the world where we have things such as swipe right and hook up with somebody the same night. Um, when you're trying to navigate all these ifs and all these gray areas, people enter that environment, that environment of dating with their walls up immediately. Um, And of course the idea of a Jewish 
relationship should be completely the opposite. It should be a space where your husband, your spouse, your wife is the person that actually knows you, your genuine you, uh, more than anyone else would be able to see it. Um, instead, what's happening out there when people are trying to navigate the, the turbulent world of dating without some sort of a framework in place is that this is all left to the imagination. And as a result, people naturally need to put up these walls. And that, I think, is going to be the basis of uh, potentially very uh, many unhealthy relationships. Um, so, um, again, who knows what the future will be, just to sum up. But what I am hoping is that we can cleverly rebrand in a more palatable way the idea of having rules, of having frameworks, of having um, an approach to dating, uh, which will ultimately get relationships to start on the right foot um, from a place that's not, you know, necessarily physical at the beginning, um, but, but that ultimately allows a relationship to start from a place of trust and ultimately get to a place of mutual vulnerability where, where uh, two partners can actually feel that they don't need to put up walls um, and um, they can be their genuine selves. Wow, thank you so much. That was uh, a lot of food for thought and uh, uh, interesting insights into the, uh, into the religious approach. I'm going to launch uh, our second half with a, with a question for our panel, for the three of you, and come back to this idea of, you know, Corona crush and Corona dating and coming out of Corona. And the question I would ask you is, um, the world has just gone through a uh, momentous event of shutting down, of pandemic, something that most of us have never experienced in our lives, something that's kind of world, change, world changing and world upsetting. And I guess, uh, You'd have to look back to World War II to see something uh, of that scope. So the question is, uh, after we've gone through this, many of us probably have asked ourselves kind of the most essential questions about our lives. So many things are uncertain. So what is certain and what is important? And we come back to our personal lives, our relationships, the people we're close to, the important things we're trying to build. And the things like material things and maybe career, maybe we start to see uh, in a different light. So the question is, coming from that angle, uh, do you think that this might push people to kind of focus on what's important, not have regrets, and kind of take chances they might not have before because they're more focused on the essential things and more realizing that their lives, in any case, have a lot of unknowns, so they might as well take chances with things that have real potential. Or could it be the other side? It's kind of like uh, corona dating being like uh, war dating. You know, people are impulsive. I don't know if I'm going to, what's going to be tomorrow, so might as well just go for it and live for today. And that would be kind of the other way people might react to to what the world has just gone through. So I want to put that out there and once again to invite people to post their questions and, uh, or other comments. Or you can come in uh, on your mic if you want as well. But let's first kind of address what I just threw out there. And either one of you uh, 
one of you can start and then the other two can chime in as well. Um, should I, should, is it okay if I start with this? Sorry, Dr. Alana, go ahead. So I've been studying stress and trauma for about 15 years now. And people always say to me, trauma, why would you study trauma? It's so depressing. And I always say the same thing, which is I don't study trauma because I am interested in trauma, but not only that. And it, the real in, reason is because I'm interested in resilience. And that is the ability for people to bounce back from adverse circumstances. Part of the part experience of resilience is a term that's you know widely used in the trauma field called post-traumatic growth. And it means that even in the aftermath of even the greatest trauma, there's still space for that growth and development. And that's what's so exciting in, in the field of psychology and of therapy, which is to see how people can regrow and also what is it that can be done to help push the person in the direction of the life that they wish to be living. So an example of this is if someone, let's say, was in a car crash, maybe before the car crash, yeah, they appreciated their body, but after the car crash, they have this renewed sense of gratitude for the fact that their legs work, right? And so, yes, we've all collectively been through a massive global trauma. It's economic, it's medical, it's health, it's security, it it's, hits us in every way from every direction, but I think it's also important to look at it in terms of how can we grow and rebuild? And if the question is, do we have the capacity? My answer is a solid, absolutely. Thank you. Racha or Josh, what do you think? Do you think it's back to the old normal, something new? Is that something new, something good and more essential? Or is it something impulsive and... Uh, and uh, could be kind of uh, have a downside to it? Um, honestly, I am an optimist. So I'm very hopeful that people will kind of go with the first option, meaning they will see the potential and the beauty in taking risks and the wonderful and amazing things that can, can come out of it. Um, I have seen kind of a mix of both. Like I've seen people who were messaging and talking to people and then they're like, do I have to commit to one person? Is this really dating? Like I'm talking just via messaging. Like, is this something that I need to commit to? Where it was something like for them, you know, maybe it's just like me enjoying and making the best of this time and kind of finding a distraction until all of this is over um, and not really needing to commit. But then on the other hand, I think there are many people that I know um, and in general that have really taken this approach to dating about finding something real and understanding what they really want in life, even if it's not about dating, just personally goals that they have for themselves, things they want to accomplish in their career, and of course in their love life. Um, and I think that Corona has had a real impact in the way we view what we have and how we appreciate it. Um, and I, I also hope that you know people will start using the, the depth that was created here somehow, like I think when we came and people Zooming, instead of meeting physically, that created some sort of standard that was based on just getting to know a person. It wasn't necessarily about their physical appearance or even attraction in the initial stage. And it was a lot more just about having a conversation with someone, seeing if you have mutual interests, seeing if you're passionate about the same thing. And personally, I think that's a really healthy foundation to start a relationship especially in our generation where like 
Josh mentioned, you know, where people are swiping and things have become so casual and so mundane. Um, so I think that people will start to be more proactive about dating personally. Um, but then again, I'm no psychologist, so it's hard for me to predict human behavior. Thank you. Josh, what have you seen on Corona Crush? Do you think, uh, which way do you see things going and do you think some things will stick? Um, so as much as I'd like to think that my opinion on where the world would go would mean anything, um, I don't think it actually will. Um, but uh, my gut feeling tells me that um, it, it's very much a personal thing. I know it's a bit of an annoying answer, but um, people use relationships and uh, intimacy and um, dating as either, I guess, a distraction from themselves or a way to connect to themselves. Um, and I think it all, I think the basis of a healthy relationship are two people that um, are first and foremost comfortable and comfortable with themselves and know who they themselves are before they know what they want with somebody else. Um, so I think my answer, my answer is that, in short, like it's just going to kind of exacerbate or just make more extreme uh, the, the current tendencies that, that people already have. So if, if people are going out there to get away from themselves, uh, you know, by hooking up with as many people as they can, then I think certainly those people are going to be rampant as soon as bars are open um, after three months of hibernation. And people that uh, are looking for real, genuine intimacy based on um, like a connection to themselves as well, um, I think that might give them also a renewed, a renewed kind of um, energy. And I say that also because personally, I've loved this time at home. Like being under lockdown was very challenging, um, but I personally loved just being able to finally be with myself after after so much time running from one distraction to the other. And that's not necessarily in relationships. It's, it's in work. It's in social gatherings. It's in whatever it may be. Um, so, so uh, yeah, an annoying answer that just heightened the question instead of answering it. But that's what I think. <laughs> well, that was helpful. Okay. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Tim. Thank you. So just wanted to say that all of the speakers so far have been so great. This has been gone above and beyond what I even could have anticipated. I think we hit on so many important things um, like yourself, knowing who you are. Um, I wanted to get us into the Q&A section. So I actually am going to begin the Q&A question with a question that I have. And while I get it, an answer for the question that I have. I hope that everyone, all of the 27 participants on the chat will think up a question that they have um, and put it into our chat box and I will get to it. So think of something that you want to ask and put it in the chat box. My first question, um, I don't know who, I'm a writer and I have a belief that the businesses that succeed are the ones that have strong writing and the people who go far in life, um, if, unless they're in a completely technical science related thing, are the ones that have good writing and can express themselves. And what I saw in Corona Crush, which really caught my eye when it first, first, first got started 
were the excellently written bios about people on the site. Um, I see Bracha smiling and laughing about that. You can't hide that from me. I saw it. I recognize it right away. Um, I don't have any basis behind this question. I don't know if I'm correct in thinking this, but it seemed to me that at least at the beginning, there was some kind of a tone or somebody was writing, somebody was editing um, to make the content funny, engaging, make you smile, call your eye. There were puns. There was alliteration. All of the um, all of the things that I learned in poetry class were present. And I was just wondering, did that come from the from the public, or at least at the beginning, was there somebody tailoring that uh, copy? to get people interested in the po- in, in the post. And I'll just, um, before I let you answer that question, I'll explain for somebody who might not know, Corona Crush is a Facebook group. It went viral where people could post pictures and text about their friends, doing a highlight of their life, what they like to do, what activities they participate in, what they were looking for in a mate. Um, and I just happened to notice that the copy in the text was so excellently written, and I wanted to inquire about that. Can you guys take that question? Sure. So, uh, honestly, at the start of it, uh, thanks, Josh. <laughs> um, at the start of it, there was actually a good friend of one of the co-founders that did, like, two or three bios, um, and he was a really good writer. Um, and then as, as it grew... Um, and it started as, as co-founders, we started posting our friends and I remember the beginning initially, um, I posted to my friends. I was super intimidated. I was like, I am by no means a copywriter or a writer in any way. Um, but you become super creative and playful and you think about, you know, this person, how do like, it's not even about like, you know, branding them, but it's like, they're so awesome. Like, how do I translate that in the most fun, easy, lighthearted way? And it's about like being brave and being silly. You know what I mean? You don't have to be like super like super correct about anything. And it's just about making it funny and fun to read. Um, and I really think like, and that's the truth. People that have posted, they're the ones writing the posts in the end. Like there is no one sitting on our team writing bios. No one's getting paid for that. Um, and I think that's also really awesome is like in a way, and like, I didn't even think about this. It's kind of become this like hub of creativity, maybe even for creative writing, um, for people to really enjoy talking about their friends, but in a fun and lighthearted way. Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. I'm, I, I was able to see a little bit at the beginning, some of that, um, there was like a really strong voice there and it was really fun. It was really fun to read. I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to move on. Not saying that people who are posting about their friends are not enjoyable, but I just honed in on that at the beginning that there, it seems yeah. like there was some, so there was some. I'm, I'm like re- really, really, really happy to hear you say that. Cause that was exactly like my reaction to the group and what made it amazing is that uh, there was, whether it was intentional or not, at the beginning there was a, a particular tone, and what was amazing is that it got replicated without us uh, doing it. I think there was a kind of a tone at the beginning, but then when we took our, our feet off the accelerator, so to speak, uh, it continued without us necessarily doing those posts. Um, and I'm also of the opinion that content is very important, 
Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just very happy to hear you say that. Yeah, if you're a writer, you you see that stuff right away. So, um, and it's and it's also nice to see that people were were filled with so much spirit to talk about their friends that it really comes through in the writing. Um, so I am going to ask a question to Alana. This is from Lee. What are your recommendations for dealing with loneliness when the sadness of it makes it hard to do the things that you know are good for you, like exercise or turning off Netflix, self-care, etc.? Another key word that I'd like to share tonight is the word functioning. And when you find that there has been a shift in your functioning, no matter what the shift is, too high, too low, it's time to assess if maybe it's time to seek some sort of professional input. Um, so for, to give an example, I have a friend that happily sleeps four hours a night. She's totally fine. She's functioning beautifully. But if someone is typically sleeping eight hours a night and all of a sudden they go to four hours a night or in the opposite direction, they go to needing 13 hours a night and still feeling exhausted, you need to wonder about this shift in the functioning. And so too, what I'm hearing is it's okay at times to feel sad or lonely. It's part of the human experience. But when the sadness or loneliness is making it hard for you to function, as a person says, to do things that you know are good for you, like they're having difficulty getting through those activities, you might want to think about seeking out a therapist. And I know that there are a lot of really wonderfully trained therapists here in Tel Aviv. You know, it can be very helpful to look at your patterns of dating, to um, look at what makes you feel lonely and your experience of loneliness and how you deal with it today. Um, so I really recommend looking at shifts in your functioning. And if it becomes difficult to function, seek out for help. Thank you so much, Alana. Um, everyone, I would love to have more questions. I, If I don't get another question, um, by the time that this next question that I'm going to ask is finished, I'll, I'll wrap up for the evening. But um, I'll ask another question while I have you, Alana. What are some healthy things that people can say to themselves? Um, I, somebody who have have visited a therapist many times in my life um, and benefited from benefited from it enormously, and genuinely think that the reason that I have um, the attitude that I do and the confidence that I do and um, is because of some of the techniques that I learned to um, talk to myself. Can you tell us some things that people can say to themselves when they need to lift themselves up? Sure. Um, I say this often to my patients, and I'll share it with all of you tonight, which is that the absolute most important conversation you're ever going to have is the conversation you have with yourself. And something that I've noticed with people that I work with is that just as you would never put up with sitting next to a bully in a lunchroom who tells you how terrible you are and unlovable and no one's ever going to want to be with you, for some reason people feel absolutely justified in saying those messages to themselves. So you really want to be very aware and attuned to that negative self-talk because it can be really damaging over time. And I suggest you know developing something called a mantra, which is a very short, succinct sentence that you can say often to yourself. This can be anything that works for you. I am worthy of love. I am special. I have something to contribute. 
Um, I can't wait for others to get to know me and for me to know them. It doesn't matter what it is, but think about whatever it is that you are most insecure about, an area that you really need to focus on. My fear is worse than my reality. You know, and anything that works in that way to be able to put on repeat in the use of a mantra. I really suggest maybe two or three mantras and feel free to change them up if ever needed. And having these mantras can also be a great check to that negative self-talk that I mentioned before. I just rejoined because my internet brought me out, so I'm sorry, but it sounds like you were able to catch the gist of my question. So you're, just to wrap, your response was to have three mantras that you say to yourself? Um, I was talking about have the importance of having a conversation with yourself, the damage of negative self-talk over time that people can bully themselves, and also to come up with two or three positive mantras that you can put in your pocket to pull out in times that you need that pep talk or to refocus yourself to move in a positive direction. Because having those positive thoughts can make all the difference in also how we feel and then how we behave towards others. Thank you so, so much. Um, That was great. I think that that is seriously advice that anybody can benefit from, whether they're dating, not dating, married, whatever it is. That's really, it's really important. Um, And I've experienced it myself. So Rabbi Feldman, I would, um, would you just remind us about the events that are coming up this week? And in the meantime, I'm going to put my Instagram and Facebook handles in the chat so that everyone can follow me. I'm always posting reports because I'm a reporter. I'm posting our events because I am our events coordinator. So stay with me so you can be on top of what's going on. I live in Tel Aviv and um, I am always posting about our events and you can always get in touch with me when you need a place to go or when you need to know what is happening. Um, And I hope to come back with you um, with really good news about being taking the uh, Sunset Series to our next location, which I anticipate to be very swanky and sexy and beautiful. So I'm going to put that information in the chat box. And Rabbi Feldman, let us know what's up this week. Thank you, Shanna. First of all, I wanted to thank our panel. Thank you, Bracha and uh, Josh and the Keep Up the Good Initiative. Thank you, Dr. Alana. We really appreciate your uh, professional insights. And uh, Dr. Alana's uh, contact information is on the email, and or you can get in touch with Shana or myself if you'd like her contact information. Uh, to I'll actually t- happily share it right now in the chat in case it's easier. And uh, whether it's uh, connecting to her or she can refer you to other professionals and resources, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, once again, uh, we're also uh, very rooted in uh, Jewish learning, and uh, the, you can look to the Jewish Matters podcast, which the audio of this event will be on if you want to share it with friends who weren't able to jump on, and as well as the other learning, which can, you can find on there. Right now, we're doing Jewish spirituality and exceptional Jewish personality. And uh, Wednesday night, once again, our pre-Shavuot, Lil Tikkun, which will be on Zoom. Uh, We have Natan Sharansky, who's one of my personal heroes uh, of the Jewish people, and uh, Isaac Herzog, the chairman of the Jewish agency, uh, Sivan Rahab Meir, a very popular uh, speaker and media personality, and um, John Medved from 
founder and CEO of our crowd talking about uh, Israel's uh, front lines in Corona and new innovations coming out of Israel. So that's Wednesday night. Uh, we'll put you on the email list and uh, have a good evening, everyone. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shanna, as well. And uh, look forward to being in touch. And Chag Sameach. Be good, Shavuot. Chag Sameach. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rory Feldman. Thank you, everyone. Hugs to